The title of my message today is Grown. Grown. Somebody say grown. <laughs> Raise your hand if you've ever told somebody, maybe your parents, that I'm grown. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever said that before? I'm grown. Okay. Let's see if we have any honest and humble people in here. How many of you have raised your hand, raise your hand and say, if, if you said this, that you're grown in a moment when you are actually not acting grown? Is that, is that anybody? Some of y'all are too, <laughs> too prideful right now to say it, but I think a lot of us know that when we say we're grown, a lot of times we're acting the exact opposite. Maybe some of your kids have come to you and said, I'm grown <laughs> in a situation where they are not acting grown. Happens, right? <laughs> it happens to the best of us. But, you know, <laughs> we as humans, as humans, we like to create this false perception of security. We create this false perception of security that I got it all taken care of. I got it handled. I'm good. I can handle this. And we say that, we say that we're grown, we got it covered. And a lot of times as Christians, this is the same way we posture our hearts with God. This is the same way we posture our hearts with God. We, we treat God and Jesus in this Bible like a vitamin, and maybe we take it every now and then to kind of stay healthy, but we say, we got this, we grown. I got it handled. And today, I want us to focus and talk about, for a little while, this idea that we're never grown, and that we have to pursue spiritual maturity above all else. We have to pursue spiritual maturity above all else, or we have no hope to bring heaven to earth. And we'll get into it, and you may make it to heaven, you may get there, you might see the pearly gates, but you will live a life in hell if you don't get this, if you're not able to be spiritually mature, if you're not able to be grown in the spirit. And it's not something that just happens one time and you're good. It's not something that you get to a certain age and you just got it. And it hurts my heart to see over and over and over again. I grew up in this church. I see Christians come, Christians go. They come, they go. They come back, they go again. They come back, they get offended by one of you. They get offended by a pastor. They get offended by something. They go. They come back again, and they go. And all this time, their life is like a roller coaster, ups and downs. Life throwing them around in a storm. And they never grow up. It's not about age. It hurts my heart to see people twice my age, three times my age, acting like spiritual infants, falling to the things of this world, falling to the trials of this world, acting like little kids, like that kid. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. <laughs> Thank you. That was perfect. I said, hey, amen. His spirit leaped. Hey. Stop acting like me. <laughs> hey, I like it. Thank you. I know I got somebody over here. 
I'm going to preach over here for the rest of the time now. <laughs> Love it. Oh, but yeah, we have to be spiritually mature. You know, we've gotten really good as a culture, as a society, especially in this country, to create consumers. We've created really good consumers. We've created everything based upon convenience. We've created everything based upon how quickly you can get something, how useful it is to you, and instant gratification. We become really, really good at it. And we see people who become fans of Jesus. And today, church, I want to challenge us to be more than a fan of Jesus. I want to challenge you to be a follower of Jesus. Because there's a difference. A fan, it's easy to be a fan, right? It's easy to listen to somebody's song. It's easy to follow them on Instagram. It's easy to maybe purchase something every now and then. But when they ask you to change your lifestyle... I don't think many of us would be willing to be a fan anymore. And a lot of us treat Jesus this way where we come into his sanctuary, we raise our hands and sing. Maybe we read a Bible verse. Maybe we have the little app that sends us one scripture a day. Maybe we do a little bit of here and there, a little bit of serving. Maybe we give every now and then. And we're fans. We look at God's word and we say, wow, that's good. I like the idea of that. I like the idea of forgiveness. I like the idea of having joy. I like the idea of having peace. I'm a fan of that. But Jesus didn't call you to be fans. Because when he asked his disciples to come and follow him, he said, count the cost. Count the cost of what this is actually going to take. Like Pastor Troy preached it last week. How much did your oil cost? What did it cost you? What did you have to sacrifice? What offense did you have to lay down? What leisure did you have to lay down? What comfort did you have to sacrifice on that cross to pick it up and follow? Because that's what Jesus is saying to us. He's saying, I've called you to be a follower of Christ. I've called you to follow what this word says. Not just be a fan of it. And then when it comes down to it, you act nothing like it. There's no transformation happening in your life. There's no maturity growing in you. There's nothing being completed in you. But you love the word of God. I love how they sing in there on Sunday morning. It's so good. The vibes are so good here. I love it. It's great. That's a fan. And today, church, I want us to understand that if we are going to bring heaven to earth, if we're going to see the visions of heaven come down and become our reality, we got to be followers, mature followers. We have to grow in the desire of spiritual maturity to be servants, ready to move on behalf of the Lord. Not phased by distractions, not phased by attacks. A lot of us don't even get to attacks because distractions take us out before we even get to the attack. We have to be spiritual servants, mature servants, understanding that our life should yield the fruits of the Spirit. It should be noticeable. It should be noticeable to those around you that look at you and say, wow, 
What is this? Why are you so cool? Why are you so happy? How do you have peace? How are you not addicted? How do you not chase after things that only make you happy? Why do you spend so much time giving? Why do you spend so much time putting your heart, your life into this? The B attitude should be tangible. Somebody should be able to point at it and say, wow, even though they go through it, they know they're blessed and they're happy. It should be tangible. Because if we had a church full of spiritually mature people, what would it look like? What would our region look like? What would our friend groups look like, our social circles, our families, our workplaces? If we were truly spiritual, spiritual mature Christians, not just consumers, not just fans, what would it look like? At the very least, people would have to ask. At the very least, people would say, how is that possible? How is it possible? And that door would open up and you would be able to walk them right in. Let me show you. Let me take you to this word. So we have to become spiritually mature. It should be identifiable to the people around you. Today I'm going to get us into 1 Corinthians 3. But (laughs) it was funny. I was actually writing this message and I had to repent, man, because I was writing the message and I began to look over my notes and look over what I was going to preach. And I said, wow, there's a lot of scripture in here. I said, I don't, I don't know, God, is this too much scripture? Is this too much? If I'm just reading this Bible the whole time, is that too much? And I said, the Holy Spirit convicted me. I said, oh, Jesus, I repent. I repent for what we've made it. I repent for what we've made it that I would even think that it would be too much scripture. That your word is not enough. We've drifted so far. We drifted so far from the early church that would gather and grow by the thousands daily that would come together in unity, reading this word, praying for one another, and then eating, and that was it. They didn't have an awesome kids' church. They didn't have a young adults group. They didn't have a singles group. They didn't have a mom's play date group. They didn't have uh, whatever the heck we have. (laughs) They didn't have any of it. They didn't have 50 teams of people. No, they gathered and they read this word. And they grew by the thousands. And it was enough. And church, it's enough today. It's still enough. This word is enough. Amen? So I'm going to read the Bible today. 1 Corinthians 3. Paul is addressing the church in Corinth. And it's, it's funny because... Paul went to all these places. He spent the entire book of Acts visiting these people, baptizing them in the Holy Spirit, teaching them the way, teaching them what to do, how God works, how Jesus died for them. He taught them. They had a firsthand experience. They knew. They came to church. They came into this room and they worshiped. They felt the Holy Spirit. They saw God heal. They heard the word. They heard the message. They had a firsthand knowledge. But then they walked away, started adding their own flavor, 
started adding their own thoughts, their own culture to it, right? They added their own sauce to the recipe. And Paul had to write him the letter like he did throughout the New Testament. He said, hey, listen, we got to get rid of some of this. You guys know better. You've experienced this, but this is wrong. What you've taken it to is wrong. You're immature. You've added your own. And so he writes this letter to them, and it says in 1 Corinthians uh, 3, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. These were people who experienced and were baptized and knew. Had to address them as still worldly. Mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? And he addressed them idolizing some of the teachers in this part. He says, for when one says, I told, I, for when one For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? He says, I have to address you as infants. I have to address you as spiritual babies because you're worldly. I got to talk to you like a kid because you can't understand this, obviously. I showed you once, but you didn't get it. He says, if this is how you act, if there's quarreling, if there's jealousy among you, are you not worldly? Church, if there's quarreling, if there's jealousy among us, are we not worldly? And we want to see God manifest in this earth. We want the unseen to become seen. That's what manifesting means. It doesn't mean saying you're going to get a new car until you get one. When we see the unseen things in the spirit appear in this reality, that is what happens when the Lord manifests. And that's what we want to happen, but we're jealous and we're quarrel. We idolize people. We idolize ourselves. We've become so good at being consumers. This culture, this world, it's taught us to chase after it. I said, oh, people like to eat? Let's make it so that they can get a hot meal in their hand in three minutes or less when they go through this drive-thru. Let's make it quick. People like entertainment, let's bring it into their homes. Let's make it so accessible that they never have to leave their couch. Let's make it so easy that they could buy an entire home of furniture while making it through one episode of the show we put on. Let's make it so easy. Let's make the shipping so fast that they can get it the same exact day they order it. Let's make it convenient. Let's make it comfortable. And this is how we get in our faith. We become immature. We say, Lord, I want it quick. I want it easy. I want things to happen. I want to see the power. I want to see the spirit. But I want it to happen just like it happens when I order that package and it shows up in 10 minutes. I want it to happen the same way as when I go through that drive-thru and I can feed my whole family in five seconds. I want it like that. And we remain spiritual infants, little babies, because we don't get it the way we want and we walk away. We don't get it instant gratification and it's too much. 
or we, we get asked to come to multiple services in a week or give 10% of our income or serve in a kid's ministry, and it's like, uh, too much. I can't do it. But I want the power. I'm a fan. I love it. I want to see this. In, I, want, I want peace in my family. I want joy. I want all this awesome stuff. We have to count the costs. We have to become spiritually mature. Jesus addresses it. He talks about this in multiple of the Gospels, but I want to read the version from Luke in Luke 8. He talks about the farmer that went out and sowed his seeds. He started planting his seeds, and he was tossing them out as he walked. And it says, some of them landed on the path, and birds swooped in and ate them up, so they never were able to grow. Some of the seeds landed on a rocky ground, so they weren't able to take root. It says, some seeds got planted, but there was thorns around him, and it choked the plant out. Then it says some seeds landed on good soil and produced fruit. And I want to read this straight from the word in Luke 8, 11. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on rocky ground, these are the fans, these are the, the Jesus fans. Those on rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns, and this is church where I think a lot of us are. Listen to me good. This is where I think a lot of us are as a church. Because I've seen it. Like I said, maturity has nothing to do with age. But I've seen it. I've seen it in this house. This is where I believe we are. It's the seed that fell among the thorns. Stand for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And they do not mature. They do not mature. You hear the word, you receive it, you spend time in his presence, but you walk out that door and worry gets the best of you. Those attacks get the best of you. That divisiveness, that anger towards one another, that gossip gets the best of you. That family member that hurts you gets the best of you. That person that betrayed you gets the best, and it chokes you. And it's not just the, the bad stuff, it's the good stuff too. It says the pleasures and the riches of life. We get so caught up in leisure. We come in here and love Jesus, but then we go home and there's so much distraction. I got to watch this show. I got to entertain myself. My kid plays 50 sports. My kid's involved in this. They're the greatest thing ever. I need to waste my time doing that. I'm so focused on that. Riches. I got to get that house. I got to get that car. I got to upgrade. Got to buy more stuff. I got to talk trash about people in my friend circles. It feels good to do that. It serves us. It serves our flesh. And it chokes us. We never become mature. We never become a Christian that is mature 
and we don't produce fruit. Jesus goes on to say, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. They hear the word, they retain it, and by persevering they, make a, they grow a crop, they retain a crop, they make fruit, they produce fruit. And I love the word that Jesus uses there is perseverance. Perseverance. We need it. Look at somebody say, you need it. You need it. You need perseverance. <laughs> In James 1 verse 2, it says, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, it says the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. It goes on to say, let perseverance complete you. Let perseverance make you mature so that you don't lack anything. Through perseverance, you become mature. If you haven't been tested, <laughs> you don't know what you are. You're not mature until you get hit and you keep going. Right? We, <laughs> amen? <laughs> we've, heard the, we've heard the Mike Tyson quote before, maybe. Everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Right? <laughs> Everybody knows all the, all the worship songs until <laughs> life hits you. Everybody knows that they love Jesus. Oh my gosh, I'm a Christian. I'm blood-bought, born again. Until that person stabs you in the back. Whoo. That's where we get perseverance. That's where we get to grow perseverance. He says in James 1, he says, consider it pure joy. You should get excited when you see it. You should get excited when you see a trial coming. You say, oh, man, my family's talking trash about me. Yes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Oh, the devil's trying to attack me in my finance. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. I'm excited for this. My kids are acting crazy. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Life is confusing. Yes. You should be looked at like a weirdo because you should have joy from it. You should get excited. You say, I get to get tested. I get to see if what I do every single day in private is going to come out in public. I get to see if this is real. I get to stand on this word and be excited for what's about to happen because I know God's going to show himself through it. I know God's going to reveal even more of his heart to me through this. You should be excited when you face trials because you get to, the testing of your faith makes perseverance and perseverance matures you. It grows you. It completes you. That's what we want. It's like when you have a, a truck like Pastor Troy's, and I'm trying to get on his level too, when you have a truck that's like kitted out for like wilderness travel and like has big tires and, you know, has the wench and the front grill and all the special lights and it's lifted and it's ready for that off road. But all you do is drive to Target and 
drive to church. <laughs> but when you finally get to take that truck off-road, you're like, yes, that's what I got all this stuff for. That's what I'm made for. I got this thing ready to take on these trails. But honestly, Northeast Ohio's roads are a lot like trails, so it's really not that far off. There's sometimes I drive and I'm just like, that shouldn't be legal. That, that can't be real. That pothole is not real. I tell you, I used to live in Haiti. I, like, there's a lot better roads in Haiti than there are here. I'm not even playing with you. <laughs> but that's what you're made for. You're made to take on those trials. You should get excited. You say, man, I got the new tires. I spent all this time in my word. Come on at me. Let's do it. Let's do it, because I'm ready. I used to play football in high school and college, and shout out to the Avon Eagles, the best team ever. But I used to play for them, and I used to get excited before games. Like, it used to be one of my favorite things, and I was so cocky, Jesus forgive me. But I used to love being out on that field and seeing the other team get excited, doing little chants, talking about they ready, they doing this, they let's go, let's go, all that. That used to make me so happy. It's like, you finna find out. <laughs> I used to take, like, it was weird. It's, it's kind of evil. There's a little bit of flesh there. So I used to take so much joy in seeing them get hyped because I knew. <laughs> I knew. I knew the time I put in. It wasn't this cockiness just because. It was because I knew what I did. I knew the perseverance I had. The mornings I wake up at 4.30 to work out. Before school, going to practice, running, lifting, eating, building myself up, studying a playbook. Starting in the off season, six months before the season. I knew what I had. So when I would stand on that field and I would see that other team getting hyped and excited, I said, you're about to find out how immature you are. <laughs> you're about to find out how unprepared you really are. I'm not about to jump around. You're not going to see me out here screaming and hooting. No. I'm going to just stand here and watch you do your little show because it's about to get real. <laughs> but church, that's what the enemy does with us. He's sitting here watching you jump up and down. Hey, I have decided to follow Jesus. Yeah. I love you, Lord. Woo. He's watching you jump up and down, put on your little show. He's like, oh, come on out here. You finna find out how immature you really are. Christian that only reads one Bible verse every now and then. Christian that can't pray for an hour. Come see how immature you really are. Come on out here with all that celebrating and jumping around. You'll see what's up real fast. The enemy's watching it. Saying, look at this little show they're putting on. We have to become mature. We have to fill ourselves up with this word. We have to fill ourselves up with his presence. Otherwise, we have no chance. It has to be authentic. We have to come in this room and fight for unity. It doesn't matter what the differences are. It matters that we are children of God. First and foremost, that's what we have to fight for. Because if we don't, we won't make it.
I want to continue in 1 Corinthians. He's talking about how we've been called. Paul's talking about how we've been called to be workers, mature workers, mature servants. He addresses them further on idolizing preachers and teachers and people. He says, what after all is Apollos in verse 5? Um, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 5, he says, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his tasks, I planted the seed and Apollos watered it. Goes on to say, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field and God's building. We got to stop putting people on the throne. Stop putting yourself on the throne. Stop putting your kids, your marriage, your career, whatever it is. Get it off. Because each of us has a job, each of us has a calling, each of us has gifts and a purpose, and that's amazing. But it's only him that makes it grow. Without him, we just putting a rock in the ground and pouring water on it. It means nothing. He is the only one who makes it grow. He's the only one who has the authority He's the only one worthy. He's the only one who's paid the price to sit on the throne of our lives and have any say. Get off of your throne. Get whatever it is off of there. And we're going to take time to look at it later in this service, but I want you to think about it. Who's sitting on that throne? Is it an immature little baby whining and crying, screaming for candy and happy meals? Or is it our Lord and Savior? We have to mature. He goes on and talks about building your life in verse 10. He says, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. Listen good. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only is one escaping through the flames. We have to build our lives on this foundation. We have to build our lives on this foundation. And after we lay the foundation of Christ, and this is why spiritual maturity isn't something that stops when you hit a certain age, because you have to continue to build you have to continue to build. In 1 Peter 2.5, it talks about being a living stone, being built into a spiritual house, offering sacrifices that are pleasing to our Lord. You're a living stone. And so you have to be careful what you put on top 
of that foundation. You might have laid a foundation, God bless you, amen. But if you don't continue to build with the blocks of heaven, if you start to build with the blocks of the culture of this world, if you start to surround yourself with achievements of this world and build your walls with achievements, you start to surround yourself with walls of worldly possessions and say, wow, look at everything I have. You start to surround yourself with who people say you are, your reputation. Look at all the things that people think about me. I'm so great. It says the day is going to bring it to light. We're going to be able to see it. We're going to see what your walls are made of. And then it says it's going to be tested by fire. And when the fire hits your walls, you're going to find out what they're made of. It says the one that has built their walls will receive a reward. The one that surrounds themselves with this word of God, the one that surrounds themselves with the anointing of heaven, the one that serves, the one that gives, the one that embodies the beatitudes, the one that has the fruits of the spirit in their hearts and they pour them out onto others. If that's what your walls are made of, the fire is going to hit you and it's not going to affect you the same way. It's not going to hit you and make you fall forever. It won't look the same. And then it go, but it goes on to say, even the one that gets burned, he will be saved. I love how he put it. It says, if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only is one escaping through the flames. I don't know about you, but first of all, I'm happy that God is gracious. First of all, I'm happy that the Lord that we serve, the creator of this universe, loves us no matter what. You can take that moment to say amen and thank you. The creator of this universe loves us so much that even if our walls are built with all this extra stuff and we get burnt up, he says he'll still save us. He's still going to be there for us. I don't know about you, though, church, but I don't want to be a person that's sprinting through the flames to try to get to heaven. I don't want to get to heaven and get to the pearly gates and have, like you see in the movies, with like a little piece of your eyebrow burnt off and like your clothes all singed and <laughs> smelling like burnt hair when you, they reading through the book of life. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's not the life I'm planning for. That's not the life that I read this word for. I want to see heaven on earth today. I want to see the power of heaven manifest in this room. I want to see healing come. I want to see joy. I want to see peace. I want it now. I don't want to run through this life getting away through flames just to be saved at the last second. Spiritual maturity is our way to get home safely. Spiritual maturity is our way that we get home, but that we walk in proud, proud to look God in the eye and be ready for him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. You didn't stop. You didn't settle. You grew each and every day. You kept going. You didn't adopt the culture of this world. You didn't embody what everybody else thinks you should be. You stood firm. You were a living stone being built into a spiritual house. 
We have to change the way that we think. Paul goes on in verse 16. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Don't you know that? You are God's temple. Church, you are God's temple. God's spirit dwells in your midst. Look around this room. This is God's temple. Multicultural, multigenerational. It looks like heaven. It looks like heaven in here. This is God's temple. It says the Holy Spirit dwells in your midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. And you together are that temple. This temple can't be destroyed. Because God's going to take care of that. That means you don't got to fight. means you don't got to argue. means you don't got to gossip. You don't got to play holier than thou, self-righteous, and talk bad about somebody else in here. Because if somebody is attempting to destroy God's temple, he's going to get them up out the way. It's not your job. (laughs) It's not your job. It's not even your job to think about that. It's not your job to worry about it, and it especially is not your job to act on it. We don't got to worry. We can sit back and say, God's got this. He's going to take care of it. The day is going to bring to light what's, what's going on with them. And they're going to get tested by fire. At that point, you should pray for them. At that point, you should say, oh, God, save their soul. I've had to say that a lot lately when I see people so much older acting so immature. I say, oh, God, don't allow me to grow up to be 50, 60 years old and be a spiritual infant filled with pride and ego and disdain, filled with contempt. Oh, get that out so I can be mature. We have to change the way we think. We can't adopt the culture of this world and expect to see the miracles of heaven. He goes on in this verse in 18. He says, do not deceive yourselves if any of you think that you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows what the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then... No more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. We have to change the way we think. We're not going to mature if we're thinking like the world. We're not going to mature if we look like this world. People should think you're crazy. Start there. If people look at you and they say, wow, they're super wise. 
because they have all this stuff. Or they're super wise because they have such amazing kids that play 50 sports. They are super wise because everybody thinks they're so funny. They're super wise because they've accomplished so much. If that's the way people look at you, start there to find your immaturity. Because you shouldn't be wise according to the standards of this world. People should look at you and be like, that person's foolish. That person is so against what we're taught that they submit to a savior and a king. That they are poor in spirit. This world teaches you to be everything but that. This world teaches you to put yourself on a throne, exalt yourself, make yourself look as good as you possibly can, be loved and liked on every social platform that you possibly can, and have people say nice things about you. That's what the world teaches you. I don't want to be wise by any of those standards. If any of those people look at me and say, wow, he's great, let me change what I'm doing. There must be some immaturity there because you should rub against this culture. It shouldn't be all smooth when they're around you. There should be conviction there. You shouldn't sound like them. You have to say, my dignity is found in heaven. My dignity is not found in the things of this world. It's great to accomplish things. It's great to have nice things. But that doesn't bring value. Who cares? I'll give it all away if God tells me to. I'll get up on a stage and preach if God tells me to, no matter how stupid I feel. I'll be obedient. I submit. I yield. I'm poor in spirit. I'm nothing without him. That's where we have to get to. That's maturity. In church, we have to go there. We can't be satisfied anymore with anything else. I was talking to our young adults um, life group a couple weeks ago, maybe last week, and I told them, I said, listen, if you're spiritually mature, I don't have to worry about anything else. So I don't. So I don't have to worry about anything else. If you're spiritually mature, I know you're good. So if there's one thing I can do, if there's one thing I can pour in to our students, to our young adults, is to become spiritually mature right now. So because if you're spiritually mature, I know that you know what the voice of God sounds like. You hear his still small voice. You're obedient. You love one another. You're able to see the attacks of the enemy. You're able to see the gossip. You're able to see the slander. You're able to see the backstabbing. You're able to see the hurt and the pain that people try to throw at you. You're able to look at it and not take it personally and let it change the way you act and live. You're going to be able to look at it and glide above it. Not affected by distractions. Not affected by attacks. I said, if you are spiritually mature, I don't have to worry about nothing. I know you're going to marry an amazing person. I know your career is going to be amazing. I know that your walk with God is going to be exceptional because if you're spiritually mature, there's nothing the devil can do that will deter you from it. In church, it's the same thing I'm saying to you today. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. If you're spiritually mature, what would this church look like? What would the hospitals here look like? 
God bless all those people that work there, but I want to put the Cleveland Clinic out of business. They built a city to exalt sickness in our city. What would it look like if this church, if this church wasn't filled with satisfied customers, but spiritually mature servants? Not people that came in here to get a good show and then leave. Spiritually mature servants that are willing to work with one another, love one another, fight for peace, be obedient, hear the voice of the Lord, read this word every day, pray. What would our gatherings even look like? We were talking in the car, and I guess Dion and, and, and uh, Pastor Dion and David were talking about this, and they said, you know, would we even have to lead worship? Would we even have to lead worship? Would we have to call people up to this altar in some creative way, get people all excited and fired up just to step out of their seats and worship with all their heart? If we were spiritually matured, would we need to do all that? It makes it cringes my heart when I see churches giving away. We have a free iPad this week. We have Pastor Dion singing this week. Come see him. They cheapen this gospel so much. Why? Because they're using entertainment. And the slippery, dangerous slope with that is if you use entertainment to get people in, you're going to have to continue to entertain them to keep them here. So understand that this is not a show. And I'm okay with God pruning every single person out that is not supposed to be here if it's going to produce fruit that's mature. That's okay. Because I want to see spiritual maturity. I don't want to look up to people and see them fall because this wasn't instilled into them, because they stopped fighting for it, because they said, I'm grown. I don't want to see that in our church. I want to see elders that finish well. I want to see young people that get attacked by this world and handle it like masters. I want to see people that are so hungry for this word that I don't have to do an altar call that when I walk into this room, people are up here worshiping with all their heart. Not timid, not scared, throwing their hands up. Who cares how I look? God is good. We have to fight for spiritual maturity. I'm going to read one more text. If, if you guys still love the word of God, we good still? We can still read a little bit more of the word? I told you the Holy Spirit already talked to me, so that's the thing. I yield to him. I love you all, but... I got to deal with my Savior, right? I want to read Ephesians 4. We're going to read 1 through 6, and then we're going to go to Ephesians 4 through 11. But I just want to read this. And I want you, if there's anything that you take from today, make it this. Pay attention. Lean in. I know it's getting late. I'm getting hungry, too. 
if you pay attention to one thing today, pay attention to this. Write this down. Ephesians 4 talks about unity and maturity in the body of Christ. It says, as a, pr- as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bear with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I want to read this again. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. Make every effort. Fight for it. Fight for unity in this room. Fight for unity in this room. Because if the devil can divide, he can conquer. You have to fight to be unified in this room. Even if we disagree, we're going to fight until we get peace because I want to see heaven manifested into this room. Every time we gather, I want to see people healed so I don't have room for animosity in my heart. I don't have room for any ill will towards anybody. It's got to go. We have to fight for unity through the bond of peace. We have to fight for it. It's worth it. (laughs) There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We're going to skip down to verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles to the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then, only then, we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Amen. So as I close today, we have to be fighting for peace. We have to fight for unity. Otherwise, we're going to stay spiritual infants. We've got to be humble, be gentle, grow in perseverance, embody the be attitudes, show the fruits of the Spirit to this dying world. We have to become spiritually mature. 
Otherwise, we will not get a glimpse of the fullness. We're going to be like infants tossed in the waves, blown around by the wind. People will be able to scheme and lie and deceive you. If you're not mature, that's your life. Say, oh, I love Jesus. I'm a fan of Jesus. But this YouTube video says it's okay for me to partake in some of that. This podcaster I like told me that I should be participating in an open marriage because it's the only way to keep things going. I should be accepting of letting my kids decide their gender and mutilating their body. I should kind of normalize the idea of abortions even though the baby's full term. We're getting thrown around by this world because we're immature. And so today, church, like it says in that verse, we have to be unified. We have to be unified as a body of Christ with him as the head. Look around this room. There's so many people in here with such amazing, unique gifts and callings. We each have a job to do. Pull that out of each other. Spur one another on. We need all of us in here to grow up. It's nothing to do with how old you are. Everybody in here, it's your responsibility to become spiritually mature. And like I said, if you do, I don't got to worry about nothing. I don't got to come in here and worry if we sang the right songs or if the message was good enough. Surrounded by a spiritually mature body of Christ. Living stones being built into a house that when the fire comes, when the light of day shines on it, will stand strong. We have to pursue spiritual maturity. No more satisfied customers. Spiritually mature servants. So today, I want to extend a challenge, if you will, but really a call to commit to spiritual maturity to commit to spiritual maturity, to commit being a person that is full of love, that is not quick to anger, that is gentle, that is humble, that will fight for peace, that will fight for unity no matter what. I wanna extend that call to you to say I'm taking accountability for myself. I'm taking accountability for my life and I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to read this word. <laughs> I'm going to wake up and read this. I'm not just going to be a fan that when it gets hard or God asks me to do something, I'm out. When somebody offends me, I'm out. I want to challenge you to be a 
mature spiritual person that is so filled with this word that when somebody offends you, you see the evil spirit that is on them and you rebuke it and send it straight back to hell where it came from. And you don't take it personally. You wrap your arms around that person. You say, I love you just like Jesus did. Your offense won't perpetuate through me. It's not going to happen. That's beneath me. (laughs) I'm mature. I'm an adult. I'm grown. That's right. So I want to challenge you today to make that your pursuit, to make that your heart's pursuit. And if you accept that challenge, I want you to come join me at the front because I want to pray over every person because it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be simple. It's not going to be some walk in the park some days. It's it's hard. (laughs) It's very hard. But we have to be people that prepare ourselves well and that when we see trials come and we count it as joy, because we know our faith is getting ready to be tested and we're going to get perseverance through it. We're going to get closer to God and God's going to get the glory through the situation. So if that's you today, if you're saying, I'm going to pursue spiritual maturity, I want you to just come up to the front. I want you, you can come now and I'm going to pray for each person that comes up here and I'm just going to pray over you. I'm going to come down. If you have to go, live right, love everybody pray hard. I'll see you next time. But if you're going to pursue spiritual maturity before you head that way, come this way. I want to pray for you.